Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 3, Episode 31 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we continue with our study of this week's Come Follow Me covering January the 25th to January the 31st covering Doctrine and Covenants Sections 6 to 9. And uh, today I thought we would uh, take a little bit more of a look at the background and context of Sections 8 and 9 of the Doctrine and Covenants. These two are really important uh, sections and there is quite a lot of uh, thoughts and uh, things that go in behind it. And so I want to consider that before we dive into those two sections tomorrow. They are fairly short, so we should be able to cover them. But um, I think, first of all, we need to think about what Oliver Cowdery's experience has been so far. Obviously, he's come to Joseph Smith. He has seen that the work that he's done. He's received the revelation from the last time that we've discussed, section six, uh, and he's convinced that it is the Lord's work. Um, in Revelations in Context, uh, we learn about how Oliver's uh, desires change to want to play a greater part in the translation process. It says in Revelations in Context, quote, as Joseph and Oliver continued their work, Oliver grew, Oliver grew anxious to play a greater part in the translation. The Lord had promised him the opportunity to translate and he wanted to claim it. Joseph dictated another revelation. In it, the Lord assured Oliver he could have the gift he desired. The requirements were faith and an honest heart. Close quote. You may remember that in section six, it did mention that he would have an opportunity to translate. And so Oliver wanted to do this. It wasn't that he was desiring something he hadn't been promised or something that hadn't been mentioned. This was mentioned by the Lord himself. Now, to give you an idea of what uh, Oliver would have been witnessing and what he wanted to be a part of, I think at this point in our study, study this year, it's really important to consider the Book of Mormon translation process. Um, what did it look like? It certainly doesn't didn't look like um, the images that we sometimes see in artwork um, depicting Joseph Smith with Oliver Cowdery sat across a table from him, completely uncovered, with the gold plates out on view and Joseph reading from the plates with no aid of anything else. This image is something which um, has been kind of painted into our minds because that is what we have seen uh, in general uh, depictions and artwork and and short films about uh, this process. And yet, it is not it's not what it looked like. What it looked like, but this can then be uh, an, a problem. I was listening to a podcast interview by, uh, with Anthony Sweat on Earth on the Leading Saints podcast, and I think it was. A wonderful discussion because um, he has recently been creating artwork which is more historically accurate. So things like the Book of Mormon translation, where we actually see Joseph with the seer stone and the hat and and all the things that we that we'll I'll mention in a moment, and other um, events in church history that aren't mentioned that often. Um, being able to visualize those, I think sometimes when we look at a picture. Um, especially if it's kind of given in a church manual or something like that. We tend to take that as gospel truth, but we need to remember that artwork is the artist impression of this um, event. It is not, you know, doctrine or, or canon canonically like true. Um, and so because we kind of see these images going, growing up through the church and going through the church, when we find out that, you know, this actually wasn't the way it was done, it was done in this other way, which may seem foreign and, and um, odd, to, odd to us, uh, it may shake some people, and certainly it has done. Um, and I think that it's important for us to know about these things. Um, I'm going to read a bit more from Revelations in Context, where it says, quote, Oliver Cowdery lived in a culture steeped in biblical ideas, language and practices. 
The revelation's reference to Moses likely resonated with him. The Old Testament account of Moses and his brother Aaron recounted several instances of using rods to manifest God's will. Many Christians in Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery's day similarly believed in divining rods as instruments for revelation. Oliver was among those who believed in and, in and used a divining rod. Close quote. This is actually mentioned by the Lord in one of the revelations we'll study uh, tomorrow about Oliver having already have, having a gift with the sprout or the rod. Um, and this shows us that these two men and many others in their time were well aware and acquainted with and accepted the use of physical artifacts such as rods um, and stones such as seer stones to divine the, the will and and the word of God um, or the or the guidance of God I should say and of course this is something which as mentioned in revelations and context happened in the Bible as well we have the the rods of Moses of, of Aaron uh, we have we also have it in the Book of Mormon, uh, where we have the Leahona, for example, was a physical artifact which you could see the will and, and word of God written on. Uh, there is the stones that the Lord touched, and and His light being manifested through those physical objects. There have been many objects throughout the history of mankind which have helped mankind to connect with and understand the will of God, and this is the same with Joseph Smith in the translating the Book of Mormon. Um, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but there is a, an excellent uh, depiction uh, by, the, by the church, um, probably published a few years ago now, um, and they, they're called um, now you, uh, like the Now You Know series. And there's one about the Book of Mormon translation, which is only about five minutes long, but it depicts and breaks down all the important facts of the Book of Mormon translation, who was actually part, part of the scribe process. And it was wonderful. They brought up a picture of Emma Smith, Martin Harris, and Oliver Cowdery. And because of the discussions and, and, the, and the lessons we've had over the last couple of weeks with our family, our kids were able to say, like my daughter, six years old, said, oh, that's Emma Smith before the name came up. And then Martin Harris's came up, name came up, and then, and then my son, who was eight, said, oh, well, that's Oliver Cowdery. And his name popped up as well. Um, it was brilliant. But then it went into this discussion about, and it also went into this discussion about how the the translation took 65 days. And my son like expressed during the video, well, that's not very long. Um, that's like two months and five days. And I, and then we brought out a Book of Mormon and said, look at that. It took only two months, just about two months for this Book of Mormon to be written by a, a man who hadn't had, had less schooling than your mum and dad have, um, Obviously, it is a wonderful book which teaches the word of God and is a powerful, powerful message, messages in it. Um, and, you know, it, it's a very tricky thing to do that, isn't it? Um, and my, my daughter just next to me said, yeah, like, it must be from like I said, it must be from God, mustn't it? She's like, yeah, obviously. It's like, well, like, obviously, like when you talk about it in that way and you break down how it went, then it's brilliant. So I'd really recommend, especially those of young families, to really crack open this Book of Mormon translation process. Don't just have a picture of Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery, you know, with the plates wide open, because then the video goes into the fact that the, the seer stone was used. There was, there was the Urim and Thummim. There was often a, a curtain drawn across and the plates were covered. Also, Joseph would put the seer stone into a hat and look into the hat to block out external light. And I mean, and we talked about that in my family and said, well, of course. You would do that if you were trying to see something that was quite bright, but it was light in the room. You would put it in, into a dark thing so you could see it a lot better. And so then this it's breaking down this image of Joseph looking into this hat and helping those that we teach, whoever, we, whoever we're teaching, 
whether it's our children or others, that, you know, this process, whilst it may sound odd, you know, a, a man sitting in a room with a curtain across with his head in a hat looking at a seer stone that he believed, you know, helps him to, to understand and read the, the revelations in the Book of Mormon, that may seem like an odd image to us. But when you break down these things and have and realise actually there's a perfect explanation for all these things, that becomes less less odd. And so when people learn about that, then they can look past that secondary witness and focus on the message of the Book of Mormon. And I think that's the important thing. It's not that we're trying to prove the Book of Mormon's truth because of these aspects of church history. It's trying to help make the context and understanding of what was going on at the time more relatable. Because, of course, you know, we are 200 years now since that time. So things have changed quite a bit. Um, and then come to terms with that so then we can focus on the message of the Book of Mormon, the message that it gives about the Saviour, and allow that to strengthen our testimonies without the concern of anything that we might find particularly odd because we don't live in that time. Um, I hope that's helped uh, and I've really enjoyed kind of considering that. And so as we go into um, Doctrine and Covenants sections, I hope, I hope to cover eight and nine tomorrow because they are fairly short, although there are some powerful witnesses in there, and then we'll cover Doctrine and Covenants seven uh, on Sunday. So that's the plan. Oh no, I've got, yeah, yes, that's fine. That's the plan. And so we'll see how we go. So thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please do continue to follow the podcast on the so on Facebook. You can uh, follow Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. And you can also email ldsstudysession at gmail.com if you're interested in joining in a future podcast episode yourselves. Thank you for your time. And until we meet again. <laughs>